0: Finding Focus. Um, we are excited to host Mitch Stein. He is the co-founder and CEO of Pond. And here on Finding Focus, we have some short, actionable conversations about how people focus in today's increasingly distracted world. Um, so we're going to talk with Mitch about his aha moments, his obstacles, the strategies that he uses to find focus in his day. Thanks for being here, Mitch.
1: Thanks so, ha- thanks so much for having me, Melissa. And I love Uh, the focus of your podcast. Like, it's always nice when there's like a really firm point of view and it's not just like random conversations. So I appreciate that.
0: Well, I'm sure we can make time for random conversations later, but yes, we will stay focused today. Um, We've been having a lot of fun, you know, talking with folks who are not just the focus experts, but people who are out, you know, doing great things, starting really cool companies, um, achieving really unique things throughout their lives and then taking that, whatever they do, and bringing it back to how did they get there? How did they build that focus? And I'm really excited to have you here today because um, your company and ours both have kind of a nonprofit focus, but also this getting off the ground stage. Um, You are really taking Pond, which is an incredible uh, idea. So for those of you who haven't met Pond yet, it's at joinpond.com. They are a marketplace that brings together nonprofits and gets them what they need, right? They're bringing in the resources and the other, um, you know, for building websites or structuring their databases or creating content and matching up nonprofits with the resources they need, which I think is super cool. And I probably said it a little bit wrong. Do you want to give us a quick uh, better spiel on Pond?
1: No, I mean, that was great. Uh, it's always fun to hear hear it through other people's lenses and perspective. But yeah, I mean, that's it. It's it's really about um, how do we cut through the chaos that so often happens in making decisions and finding the right vendors, be it technology uh, software, different kinds of services, consultants, trainings, all the things that we both need um, in our startups, like nonprofits or businesses that have all the same kind of business needs. And then a lot more given the, the nuances and complexity of their work. So um, it's really just our goal to better support nonprofit leaders and connect them uh, and save them time and money when they're um, finding the right resources that they need to better run their organizations. So I would just say for folks who aren't familiar with the, the model, it works a lot like Angie's List, where you can create a project. Um, but instead of finding a handyman to mount your TV, you could be finding a fundraising consultant or a new piece of event fundraising software um, or a tool to manage your volunteers. Uh, We've got 100 different categories of vendors on the platform. um, So everything that nonprofits need to thrive.
0: Well, I I feel like nonprofits, to your point, are very much like the startup world. There's always something else to be done, right? Like that's where the chaos comes from. There's always something else to be done. And half the time, maybe your team doesn't have the knowledge of how to do it. So Pond is such a cool resource to your to your initial idea that it actually helps them focus as well, it gives them, they don't have to sort through thousands of vendors and who knows what they do, they can get right to someone who can really help them. Um, Let's talk about that a little bit in your and my daily life, Um, the chaos of always having something more to do. I think that's probably one of the more challenging roles for focus, right? When they're, as a CEO, you've probably got everything coming your way. Tell me a little bit about maybe the chaos before we get into how you focus within it. What are you dealing with on a daily basis?
1: Uh, The chaos, yeah. It's funny because I think most people experience technology and tech companies as like saving them a bunch of time and providing a bunch of efficiency and might not appreciate that behind the scenes uh, just because it's a tech company uh, and especially an early stage tech company does not mean that everything is like tech enabled and super quick. We're actually purposefully not doing thing, everything in a tech enabled way, um, because we're trying to decide what parts or operations are worth automating Mm. with technology. Um, and that always starts with a more manual test. I think when you're doing it right, you know, you don't want to make those big investments. Um, and while it's becoming easier and easier, uh, to spin up code and there's all these ways, uh, to leverage other tools and, and kind of, you know, this increasingly user-friendly DevOps world that we live in of technology. Um, it still is an investment. And so I think that is something I didn't appreciate before I started a company and just sort of like dove in and became a student of all of this. So a really, really steep learning curve over the last two plus years um but you know there's the chaos of like the product requirement like i'll just walk through a couple key areas i think you know as a founder of an early company you are kind of always going to be the product manager to a certain extent when you're first getting started so there's sort of this chaos of any product manager's job where your job is to take in like a ton of inputs and information reactions from people feedback data um and decide what is worth paying attention to or not and i think a lot of jobs out there are um well structured they have a framework clear objectives you get things in and you solve them and you move on to the next thing and that is so far from that from this job where it's like the ground is evolving and moving under you constantly And the goal is not to solve everything. It's to decide what needs to be solved now and like being okay that there's this long list of other things that you're not solving. And that is like a big mindset shift that if you can't get there, you're gonna be super distracted by this like long list of things that need to get done if your expectation is I'm getting everything done every day. So I would say that's a big one on the product front. Um, And then on, marketing which i think kind of goes hand in hand like you're building something how are you taking it to market and i think just my um skill set and and background i do within our team spend a lot more time on that um i think the focus challenge there especially when you're working with creative people or if you are a creative person is like i have no end to creative ideas of what we could do on the marketing front and content we can do and it's a lot, more, again, it's about being able to capture that, all those great ideas, awesome, encourage that, bring that out in people, and then like decide what to focus on and what's realistic it done. So there's like a lot of chaos there of like, it's really good to have this frothy creative environment, but that does translate as chaos to a lot of people. Um, mm-hmm. and then two other things I'll hit on quickly, one is just people management, like that's chaotic. People are unpredictable. Like everyone's life is unpredictable. So you're managing a team. We have, there's eight of us full-time, including me on the team. Like people get COVID, people like have family issues. People gotta take vacation. Like things just come up that you're always trying to manage around and you just like have to be so nimble. And I think that leads to a lot of chaos if someone needs like predictability and clear structure when you're leading a team that is, that's still a pretty small team. That is really, really hard. And the last piece, which is like often so far out of your control is fundraising. Like that is Mm -hmm. just unbelievable. It's just like a never ending frustration of like, no one has any urgency to give you money (laughs) yet. You're having to like continuously put yourself out there. It's just a reality of an early stage startup that is, um, you know, seeking outside investors. Um, so yeah, those would be my four biggest sources of chaos for you.
0: You said earlier, I think something to the effect of there is always more great content to be created. And I agree. Um, and I would love for all of the you know, folks in any type of marketing role or CEO and co-founder role where they are thinking marketing as well. How, within that scope of content, um, do you keep you know, yourself focused and the team focused? I mean, what are some of the determining factors? I know some are similar to product, but um, any personal no. ways that you go forth? Yes.
1: Yes. Um... I am so passionate about this topic so like we could talk all day long yeah. about it I'll try to not be too verbose mostly because I someone intentionally somewhat by accident it was kind of a result of being starting a company in the pandemic and having like very little access to other people to build a network and make new connections I just really invested in LinkedIn and like it doesn't have to be LinkedIn you should know whatever is most relevant for your business and your sector or whatever um, but for me, I had like a relatively a sizable network from college and I worked at Goldman Sachs previously. So it was connected to like a lot of coworkers there who spanned into a lot of other industries. So had a good starting point, but I never used the platform. I never created content ever before two years ago. And yep. I just found myself using it all the time, seeking out connections to learn about the sector and do people I know, are they connected to nonprofit leaders I could talk about my idea with? I was starting from zero and what I found, which I think was just a result of following people, seeing it done well, where people share and kind of coming up with my own structure of how I wanted to use the platform in my own framework um, and just starting to test things. So I started doing, I was like, okay, every Monday, something that's been really important to me in the early days and still on my founder journey was mental health and i was like can i talk about mental health realizations or learnings i'm having in real time while starting a company for the first time so every monday i started this like mental health monday post and i did that for like 20 weeks and i think giving yourself a framework is really good way to focus give yourself a timeline and also starting off small so it's like oh it's a once a week thing you know it's not overwhelming I, and and this is true for like diet and exercise, like learning. I mean, this is why Duolingo is so effective. Like these things that just give you some structure and incrementalize it. Like you can do that for yourself when it, so that's on the personal content front. I would say, and then from there, oh, this is working. People are engaging. It's building new connections for me. Um, You know, it's helping get the word out about what we're doing. Like it was having all these positive externalities. So I was like, this is worth me spending some more time on. What more could I talk about? Can I give myself some more, prompts, can I try, and it doesn't need to come across as structured, but behind the scenes, it's structured where I'll say like, okay, well, when I look ahead at the week, I'll always have a plan for the week. What am I, I try to post five to six days a week on LinkedIn. Um, and in the past two years, I've probably grown my connection follower base from like 1500 people to like over 10,000 when we're recording this. So. And, and that's really organic. That's not just like, you know, bots from overseas and stuff like I'm really intentional about connecting with relevant people to what we're doing. Um, and that comes from being really intentional and specific with how you're sharing content and making sure it is comes back to, and is relevant to your personal brand. What are you doing as an individual? Um, so for me, What are things that I can talk about? I intersect interesting people every single day, you know, and I could write a post about this awesome conversation I had with Melissa Moody. And Mm -hmm. earlier I was talking to a nonprofit leader who like shared this amazing experience with me. So I'm in, that is interesting to others. It doesn't need to be about me. I'm just sharing like stories of other people. So that's like pillar of content that I'm able to talk about. I can talk about my own founder experience. I can talk about Mm -hmm. my learnings about the sector. And I can talk about what we're trying to do at Pond. I can talk about my personal life and how it intersects work. So right there, those are five Mm -hmm. core category buckets and I can try to hit on all those one day a week. And so just establishing that kind of framework and building into it is really powerful and I would say on the company side of like, okay, that's for you as an individual, which for me, everyone's different. This has been a huge growth lever for our business. So I view it as really hand-in-hand with business content is how I'm sharing on LinkedIn. Um, But I would say more generally on on content for the business, we try to get, and we've gotten better at this over time, and it's really iterative, but paying attention to what works is, that sounds obvious, but like it's really not for a lot of people when they're creating content, is like, how do you track? things. Like, yeah, you wrote a blog article. What is that? How, you know, how many hits did that specific article get? Like how many people shared it? Can you tell if you've gotten any backlinks? Like what, what works and what's, was it the topic? Was it the author? Was it, you know, was it the medium? So we've just done a lot of that since we put out so much content. And I also think it's about understanding similar to the personal marketing side is like, what do you, what are you, what do you have the authority? to talk about mm-hmm. because that's where you're gonna have the best engagement to start off with. So, um, and, and I think on the company side too, for us, and when it comes to authority, we get a lot mm-hmm. of authority by proxy because of who is in our community and network and making sure we're putting that out there and you're getting all these layers of benefit. Number one, you're just putting really helpful, useful content out there for people. That's like, first and foremost, should always be what you're doing. No content should just be like, because it's fun, or like because you think it's interesting. <laughs> but number two, yeah. you are adding to your brand value by putting a face out there that, like, someone says, "Oh, like, wow, that nonprofit ED is talking on Pond." They clearly have a reputation in the space, and you're reaching like a little bit. You're extending your network a little bit each time you do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think at a, at a third level, you are showcasing the types of things that one can expect to learn about and experience on the platform. So it's like usefulness, brands kind of authority value and just understanding of expectation of the product. Absolutely.
0: Uh, So much of what you're saying resonates. And I I do think this is such a core topic um, because so many people are talking about, let's, let's go back just to the personal brand, really this, this personal brand as literally the way that the company brand grows. Um, so important follow-up is you've got, you know, you're finding focus within creating the content itself. You've got frameworks for your posting regularity. You've got frameworks around what you talk about. How do you, Mitch, keep the chaos of social and this, I've got a post, I got to create, how do you keep that as not dominating the rest of everything you have to do? Because you already told us about all that's on your plate, right? Um, social media as a platform natively has the ability to creep, right? To get in there and to be the distraction. Um, I think you and I talked about how the phone and social media can be distractions in themselves. How do you approach not letting that happen in your life? Um, I'd love your own uh, personal take on this. <laughs> I I need to learn because I I have mine. My main one, by the way, I'll start out is I like to put the phone down. I put it away, not on my body, and my husband hates this because he can't ever get a hold of me then. But um, I uh, My big trick is actually literally putting the phone down. I want to hear how Mitch does it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, to be honest, which I'm not going to act like I am (laughs) expert or best at this because this this is still (laughs) something, yeah, I mean, this is something I battle with every day, which I think a lot of people, you know, maybe it's my generation, I'm 31. So like, I think it kind of came of age with a phone in hand and maybe was like one of the first... You know, I think I got my first cell phone when I was like 14, and all of a sudden was like the T9 texting wizard, um, communicating with friends. So it was just and just being online. I remember getting like an AIM account when I was like eight or something, and it's all of a sudden like in chat rooms constantly. So there is this this just brain chemistry that you know we know we've developed around digital communication and social media that is really, really hard to break out of, especially when so much of your business intersects with a social media platform. Um, so I experience this every day. I would say, um, I, I try to be kind to myself. I think a lot of people are just really harsh. They're like, you know, oh, I just, I'm just gonna lock my phone away for 10 hours and like do these extreme things. I think founders are really prone to this too. You hear all these stories about like Steve Jobs and he's like, wild diets he'd go on and like, you know, these like work binges and stuff. Like I try to have a healthy balance where I'm just like kind to myself and it's like, okay, well, if you need a break and you need to check Instagram for a minute, that's fine. Just don't stay on it too long, you know? And, and just like, if you have that conversation going with yourself, I find it's easier to avoid the like sucked in rabbit hole moments because you're just more aware of like, no, I'm going to use this because I need a break. It's not, it's intentional and it's not like, um, you know compulsive so mm-hmm. i think that's one of them is just a mindset around it i also think what i love about linkedin is sure it's social media but like i'm engaging with people and so often that's like turning into a new conversation and it might turn into a phone call and it might turn into a partnership like i'm building real connection it's not just like you know a comment on instagram or i just find it's totally different and i just find really high roi on my time spent on the platform not to mention mm-hmm. the content people put out there, I'm really learning from everybody. And yeah. that is very different. From how I find a lot of people are using other social, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, whatever. So, um, and yeah, I mean, I've tried other things too. Like someone had me put, um, suggested I put my phone like on grayscale. <laughs> like oh, your I phone should that. be yes, like turn, turn the, call, cause you know, there, if you've ever seen, um, the uh, social dilemma. I think the documentary on Netflix was called, and and these people that created these tools, telling us like we know how powerful things like color and UI and these products are in just like totally gripping you. And one, of I had a friend who was like, "Yeah, I, I just have grayscale on, and my phone is now a toaster." Like,
0: yeah, it's boring. It, does it a becomes, yeah,
1: it becomes. It's a tool. I use it to call people. I use it to read an article, whatever. But it's not like something that I just go to without a reason um, I couldn't do it I just I'm too creative of a person I like was it was depressing to me to look at my phone in grayscale but that's something that's come up too
0: I mean I do think it's fascinating and that's a lot of what what you know our business is kind of built you know in opposition to is the whole um, technology literally being crafted to grab more of our engagement right just to just suck us in and we don't even know what's happening it's up there in your brain and you're like oh yes but I agree I've gotta have that color. I I agree, putting the phone into grayscale feels very depressing. Um, I love that point. I think the point you made is super compelling. You know, a lot of people we talk about, I use this technique or I build this habit and you and I could probably go down the route of like what habits and techniques do you use? But I think fundamentally your statement of you try to be kind to yourself is a really, really important way of, um, you know, addressing the emotional component of trying to stay focused. Sometimes we find there's more guilt in trying to stay focused, then there isn't actually the things you do. Um, so I love, I love that take. How, um how else do you personally kind of be kind to yourself? What do you do to take care of yourself? What are the things that fall into that bucket of, ah, you know, I'm, I'm actually looking out for myself?
1: Yeah, it's been, uh, it's such an interesting process, because I feel like most of us that are called to try to do something new or start a company are probably really type a, um, mm-hmm. and have, I find, cause especially I've been in an accelerator with some other founders and stuff. So just have a, have had a lot of these conversations, um, usually have some kind of chip on their shoulder. <laughs> There's sort of something they're trying to prove, um, which is a driver that makes, you know, A lot of things happen, but it also can really it's like, okay, well, you're trying to prove that to someone else. Like there's it's it is a bit of a slippery slope emotionally to go down for a lot of founders where they they personally get so wrapped up and intertwined with the business they're creating that they struggle to separate themselves from it. Um, So for me, I really try to be mindful of that self-talk. Like, it might sound corny, but like, what is the relationship that you have with yourself? Hmm. And, you know, what do you think when you wake up in the morning? What do you tell yourself? Like what throughout the day and especially, you know, when we're grabbing for our phone, um, do you ever stop and think about like, why am I doing this? And, Hmm. And just like that, I don't think enough people are mindful of like the having those conversations with themselves. And then once you become mindful that that happens and that you can do that and that you can have a relationship with yourself, um, then you can start to be like, oh, wow, like, why did I say that? Why, why was I thinking that to myself? I would never yeah. say that to my best friend or family member. Like, what can I think thoughts to myself like I would to someone I care about because I have a relationship with myself? Um, and so i, I it, there's like a lot of undoing of structures in my brain which i feel like a lot of us were raised to be like work hard for everything you get and like you know you have to have discipline and you know whatever people call it, like the protestant work ethic like i was raised lutheran like very much in that like cultural vein um and like my parents you know both definitely came from pretty much poverty growing up and and you know, worked really hard to succeed professionally. And so I never, when I was growing up, it was, um, I certainly had people around me that I felt like were kind of blase if their family was well off and they like, didn't work so hard because they felt like they didn't need to. I kind of felt like the opposite where I was like, Oh my God, like I have to be successful because like, look at what, Mm -hmm. you know, my parents did and came from and like, I can't let them down. And this sort of like, inherent guilt growing up. So I feel like I've had to peel back a lot of layers of that to be celebrate that I can work hard and celebrate that, um, celebrate some and, and you know, congratulate myself on achieving things and little milestones and, and not being afraid to do that. Um, but not doing it at the expense of like, okay, but you have to do more. You like always has to Mm -hmm. come back to something where you're kind of like grinding yourself, um, Mm -hmm. finding the space to be kind has such a big impact
0: yeah and i love your point about questioning you know the self-talk but specifically around the motivations the why am i doing it and there may be some really positive motivations to why you are doing something and maybe why you're doing it almost because you were raised in a certain way but then there may also be those hugely negative you know why am i doing this something i'm doing it for something that i don't value that isn't actually a core value to me so i'm going to set that one aside that is uh, deeply resonating with me right now. Um, a lot of what you're getting into is absolutely resonating. Well, let's. I've got kind of one last question uh, before we wrap up. I want to keep you back to your busy day to stay focused. Um, I know, you know, you and I, I, I asked you a little bit about this earlier, but I often ask, is there like a book you've read or something you follow? Um, I know you mentioned a lot of your inspiration does actually come from LinkedIn. Um, so maybe talk about, you know, you're, you're already quite good at focusing. I think you've elicited a lot of things that are deeper on the emotional and thoughtful level about how to focus. How, if you look forward and you want to get even better at being focused and even more refined in where you spend your busy days, where are you going to get that from? Where are those ideas going to come from in your mind? Podcasts, LinkedIn, where do you think?
1: Uh, I know, and I remember you you shared this question with me before and I wanted to like have a better answer. And now I'm like, Oh, I, d- well, I want to give people work. some specific.
0: It Even maybe not just a name, but like, where do you get inspired? Like where is it really? Maybe I think for you, it's kind of LinkedIn, right? You talk a lot about seeing really thoughtful uh, content on LinkedIn.
1: Yeah. I mean, that definitely happens a lot. I mean, one thing I'd just say is like, therapy <laughs> if you're totally. a, a founder in particular or you know any kind of stressful business job like talk about being kind to yourself like get yourself in therapy <laughs> run don't walk because yes. um to me that's like this whole how do you talk to yourself conversation I mean I've been in therapy for like nine plus years um mm-hmm. and like that has just been uh, with different levels of regularity, but something that it takes a long time, (laughs) really long time. And it's a discipline to like get better at being kind to yourself and monitoring your self-talk. So that would be number one. Um, Another thing that I just heard from people before that I would encourage everyone to think about, like the, 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 the search for like that, self-help book that's going to change your life or the po- the podcast that's going to change your life. Those things are impactful for sure. But mm-hmm. I also, I guess I would kind of answer the question in a different way to encourage you to look within that, like often you have the own answer in your own experience and something someone said to me early on in the startup journey where I was Um, You know, you go through these moments when you're like, I just don't even know, is this a terrible idea? Like, what should we do next? I don't know how to evolve it. This didn't work. And someone encouraged me to follow my joy. Mm -hmm. And they were like, just pay attention to what you're drawn to, because that's ultimately where you're going to succeed, both as a person and as a business. And um, I think we have, in the vein of being hard on ourselves, we're like, oh, well, I'm bad at X. so. I need to spend all my time there and get better at it. I would kind of argue that usually people over rotate in that way. And Mm -hmm. I think if you give, if you're kind to yourself and like, let you follow your joy of like what is making you happy um, and being mindful of that oftentimes. And I've seen that a lot within our own business of like, I just love connecting with people. And like I host a podcast too. And Mm -hmm. someone super analytical may have been like, well, I don't know if this is driving the most conversion of like the stats that you monitor and stuff, but I was like, but it makes me really happy. And I would say the same yeah. thing about posting on LinkedIn was a lot of the reason I started doing it more was because I really enjoyed it as an outlet. I love writing. And so for me, that was really helpful. And look, because I enjoy it and I was because I enjoy it, was able to invest in it so much on an ongoing bit and stay consistent it returned huge dividends. So it's kind of a weird answer to your question, but I just think like looking within and thinking about like, what is it that brings you joy? Because that authenticity is going to come across to people and you're going to connect with them when you're leaning into your own joy.
0: I love it. I think that's beautiful. I think listening to your own self as is probably the best self-help book, right? That's um, a really, really way to think about it. Well, before we go, I'd love um, where can people find you? Where where can people follow follow Mitch Stein and get the best of you? Obviously LinkedIn. Um, anywhere else you'd, you'd want them to reach out or connect?
1: Uh, yeah, I'm. I mean, that's pretty much it. That's that would be another piece of advice: is like find your channels you want to invest in and concentrate them. Um, but no, I, I like I said, I share almost every day um, and love to connect with people there. So. If you search Mitch Stein, I hope I'm one of the first that comes up, but we can probably put the link in the show notes. Um, and then, you know, obviously Pond on LinkedIn too, and Pond is on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, YouTube, all the rest. So check out joinpond.com to see what we're up to and um, you know how we're really trying to drive more impact in the nonprofit space with, with this new platform.
0: Yeah. And last but not least the podcast where what's the podcast called and where can they uh, catch that if they want to?
1: Yeah. So we host, uh, we have an original podcast at pond that I host called the kids table. Um, it's a bit tongue in cheek given so often social impact work be it at a nonprofit or a company that it serves nonprofits kind of gets put at the kids table. Mm -hmm. Um, when in fact, I think the whole world should be paying a lot more attention to what's succeeding in the social impact space. Um, and that is what our society needs more than ever. So we talk with nonprofit and social impact leaders from all across the country, um, share their stories, really lift up their you know, expertise. Um, and they are just amazing conversations that I enjoy so much. And the variety of people that we have on is just amazing. So I encourage people to check out the Kids Table uh, wherever you listen to podcasts.
0: So great. Well, I truly appreciate you taking a bit of time in what are incredibly busy days for you. Uh, I'm sure we'll get together and talk again, but thank you so much for joining us today. It's wonderful to have you.
1: Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me, Melissa. appreciate it.